second opinions, if you will. Following your heart. How many of you in here have ever seen a Disney movie? That's great. Me as well. I'm putting my hand up, right? I mean, I'm not, but me as well, right? Um, and, and in almost every Disney movie I have ever seen, uh, and Aunt Laura, you can go to the next slide for me there, um, because you'll notice there's no scripture on your note sheet. That's because I don't have one central passage. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six different small scripture passages we're going to talk about today. Um, so I enjoy a lot of Disney movies. I don't like my brother to know it because I like him to think that I don't enjoy certain ones. Um, but I'm here to tell you that Mulan is the greatest Disney animated movie ever made. And second is, um, not Treasure Planet, Atlantis. That's an incredible movie. And most of you in here are going, Atlantis, which one is that? That's because no one's ever watched it. It's great. But in every Disney movie, the central theme is, do what your heart says. Follow your heart. It won't lead you astray. Yet the Bible very clearly says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, you can read it right up there, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick, or your translation might say wicked, who can understand it? Number one on your note sheets, if you grabbed a bulletin, number one on your note sheets there, truth of the heart. Truth of the heart. Because before we can really begin to understand what God wants us to do with our hearts, because he does give us some direction, we have to know what the heart is truly like. Jeremiah 17.9, we just read it there, really lays it out pretty succinctly. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Your heart will always lead you astray. Now you might say, Pastor, didn't your heart tell you to marry Maddie? Yes, but I did quite a lot of praying about that before I ever asked her to marry me because I wanted to make sure it was what God wanted. You see, we're going to talk about a little bit how God can change the heart. And slowly over time, when you're with him, he does. But in your base nature, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. End of sentence. You cannot trust it. On top of that, there's a fly up here. On top of that, you cannot trust your emotions. Now, back in ancient Greece and stuff like that, they talked about emotions, the seat of the emotions, being more in the bowel region, right? That would really change uh, uh, my achy, breaky heart if they started singing that about bowels. That would really change that song quite a lot. Think of any song that talks about the heart and just substitute in there lower intestines. It doesn't have quite the same grip on us, does it? Right? We believe, right, not believe in the sense that it's a scientific thing as much, right? But we say the heart is the seat of the emotion, right? It's apt. Because your emotions cannot be trusted as well. The fact of the matter is that your emotions are based on circumstance and on your perception of an event. Right? Maddie loves, just loves shows like Friends and The Office. Shows like that, right? It's great. I'm very happy she does. It's good for her. I have seen every single episode of Friends, 
and every single episode of The Office at least once in the past two years. I'm not saying in my 28 years. I mean in the past two years marrying her. I have many complaints about those shows. I have one major complaint about those shows. Almost every single thing could be fixed if people would just talk about the problem instead of getting all up in their feelings and doing stupid things. I'm a practical person. I have emotions, you can ask my wife. My emotions come out very strongly when I can't get the bottle of ketchup open. We had only been married probably a couple of months and I just couldn't get this thing open and I slammed it on the counter and she was like, why are you mad about this? And I was like, I can't get it open. I'm supposed to be happy? See, the problem with emotions is they can be wrong. Not invalid. There is a difference there. Wrong and invalid are different things, right? If Maddie came to me, and I'm using her a lot today, right? If Maddie came to me and said, Sam, she doesn't call me Pastor Sam. If she does, we're going to marital counseling because apparently she normally songs. She no longer sees me as her husband. Um, Sam or whatever, right? She'll say, Sam, I'm feeling, and this has happened before, I'm sad. And I'll go, all right, what do you have to be sad about? Not in a, your life is great, but in a, okay, I can fix this. Let's fix the problems. And she will explain to me the issue, and I don't say this to her because um, I, I like a happy household, but my brain immediately goes to, why in the world are you sad about this? Let it, this is stupid. Let it go. I can't use that word. Don't let Jax watch this back. Stupid's a word I like to use quite often. Um, and every single time I do, Jax goes, that's a bad word. And I have to go, you're right, Jax. I shouldn't say that. It's the thing that I look at and go, why are you sad about this? Does that make her emotion invalid? No, it does not. She is still sad. She might have the wrong thing in that moment. The heart is the seat of your emotions. And if we accept what Jeremiah 17, 9 says, that is deceitful and desperately sick or wicked, how then can you trust your emotions? Answer, you can't. Now, I'm not saying that if you're sad, you should go, should I be happy right now? Of course not, right? I am saying, in your life, your emotions will trick you. Gather the facts first. My dad has a great line. I steal it from him all the time. I've already made up my mind. Don't confuse me with the facts. He says it all the time. I try to make sure I've got most of the facts before I make up my mind about something or before I get emotional about something because I know my heart will lead me astray every single time. So in short... Your basic teaching about the heart is that it's deceitful, it's wicked, it's the seed of your emotions, you cannot trust it. So what then should you do with your heart? If this is this, this evil thing, I can't take it out, you do need it to survive, I can't take it out. I can't say, oh, my emotions, I can just be, you know, is it a sociopath that doesn't feel emotion? I can't be a sociopath 
So what am I supposed to do? Let's talk about it. Number two on your note sheets, God's teaching. God's teaching. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is right there, Matthew 6, 20 through 21. It says, but store up for yourselves, and this is Jesus speaking uh, during the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? But store up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of you have a treasured possession or two? Something that you don't want, you desperately don't want broken, you would be heartbroken if it was stolen, anything like that. Wow, most of you are very unmaterialistic people. Praise God. I will take all of your possessions. Because you apparently won't miss them. No. I have some very treasured possessions, right? My guitar I just played, my 12-string, her name is Grace. She has been out of commission for over two years because Ken was still here drumming and he left before COVID happened. I finally got it fixed. It is one of my many, not many, one of my most treasured possessions. I'm always hesitant to let somebody play that guitar. That guitar, the black one, which I haven't named yet, so if anybody has a suggestion, you can write it down for me. Um, the black one, I let people play all the time. The 12-string, even when I was new to it, when somebody picked it up, I was like, ooh. It's a treasured possession because my dad and I worked on it to get it playable again and to install a pickup and make it a guitar that's actually usable and sounds nice. So it's not as much the possession as much as it is the memories that come with the possession, right? I also have, and some of you are going to go, really? There are exactly... At this point in time, three people in this world who I allow to wear one of my baseball hats. I am one of them, Maddie is another one, and Jax is the third. I don't like it if somebody else wears my hats. Now granted, if you looked at the inside of my Phillies cap especially, none of you would want to wear it. There's a nice salt line around the entire thing from the sweat, but I like it when people don't, I like my hats. And I've got a few more. But the fact of the matter is that the Bible says, listen, all of that stuff, that guitar, it was out of commission for two, three years, right? My hats, I've owned multiple baseball hats over the course of my life. Why have I had to own multiple? Because they get dirty and beaten up and broken down and they're not good for what they're supposed to be used for. A hat is not an accessory. A hat blocks the sun from your eyes. That's why they don't go backwards. If you're wearing a hat backwards, you ought to be a catcher or an umpire. That's it. All right? No. I'm, they go forward because they block the sun. It's the sun doing it at the back of your head. You don't need Whatever. All of my possessions, everything I have ever owned has broken down. So if I put my treasures here, it will break down with them. Jesus very clearly says, listen, everything on this earth is going to break apart. It's going to be destroyed. Store up treasures in heaven. Because where your treasures are, your heart will be also. That's the reason he gives for storing up treasures in heaven. Notice he doesn't say, because then you'll get saved. Because then you're closer to Jesus. Because 
For where your treasures are, your heart is. Now, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying you should not love things and stuff like that. I have, we've already talked about a couple of possessions. I have people I adore. But ultimately, when we are walking in the spirit and living with God, our hearts, our treasures, excuse me, are stored up in heaven, knowing that's where we're going. And that's where your heart is also. And that's where the beginning of the transformation of your heart begins. It's got to start there. You've got to let God have it. Well, I should say, it starts with your salvation. And then you've got to let him keep it in heaven with him. You've got to store up the treasures there. We also learn in the next verse, verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 4, that your heart is the real you. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Other translations word that a little bit differently, but in all of them it means this simply. Guard your heart, because out of your heart speaks your mouth and your actions. You can only hide your true nature for so long. That's the nature of it, the truth of it. My dad has another line he often says. I've never been accused of being nice. I can steal that line. In fact, one time on Rise, I was running a practice, and maybe I was pushing everybody a little harder than I should have, but they weren't paying attention. They weren't working hard. I'm all for having fun. You can ask Maddie. I love having fun. But when it's time to do the work, I want to do the work and be done. They didn't want to do that. And one of them, her name is Erica, she goes, you're not being very nice right now. And I said, I'm not here to be nice. I want to say this because some of you will go, oh no, aren't we supposed to be nice? Yes, but God cares more about kindness than niceness. Pastor Sam, because you are the congregation, what's the difference between kindness and niceness? How many of you have ever been to California? I know at least a couple of you. Okay. The West Coast, specifically your L.A. and that area, are very nice. They are not kind. They will say, oh, how are you? And, oh, it's so great to see you. But if you needed help moving, you have no friends. New York City is kind. It is not nice. You walk one foot out of step and some cabbie is flipping you off and using words you didn't even know existed but you're pretty sure children shouldn't hear them. In fact, a kid might be the one saying it. Philadelphia is like this as well. One of my favorite stories of Philadelphia is that Eli Manning, used to be the quarterback of the New York Giants, was doing an interview, and he said, what was the most hostile place you played? And he said, Philadelphia. I had never heard kids telling me to go F myself before. And I went, huh, I don't want to go to Philadelphia anymore. That's not a good place, is it? However, so they're not nice to you. However, they're kind. They'll help you up when you fell down. They'll help you move, stuff like that. They'll curse you the entire time they're helping you move, but they're helping you move. That's the difference between kind and nice. God wants us to be both. You can only fake, listen church, some of you, because I've heard you say it to me, you're such a nice person. I'm here to tell you, church, 
I'm real good at faking it for a couple hours on a Sunday morning. And then I go home, and Maddie goes, why are you yelling at the TV? Because I'm kind, not nice. Right? I am... On the flip side, I know a lot of you in here and down the hall and stuff are innately nice people. God made you innately nice. It flows out of you because that's where your heart is. Where your heart is, that's where you will be. So here's the thing, church. If you are noticing in your own life, and you can flip to the next slide, Aunt Lori. Thank you. Um, If you're noticing in your own life that you are struggling with, I use me as an example a lot because I know me the best. I can catch myself when I'm struggling with my anger, with my depression, with stuff like that. The first place I look at is, where is my heart? When what am I doing with it? What am I filling it with? Because out of your heart flows the rest of you. We also know, and this goes back to not trusting your heart, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust the Lord with your heart. Give it over to him. We talked about that, storing up your treasures in heaven. This next verse, Psalm 51.10, is right after my own personal life verse and it's beautiful. It's from David. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Church, I have something to tell you. You can't change your heart. Only God can do that. You've got to let him create the clean heart in you. We're going to talk about, uh, when we get to applying it, what that actually looks like. But you need to understand that. There's a couple of truths here. And, and we read in the next verse that God sees your heart, right? When he, when he sends Samuel to find the new king, there's a bunch of brothers and they're big and strong. And Samuel's like, oh, these would make a good king. And Jesus, God is over here like, no, nah, I want the little itty bitty one who later on would be said of as a man after God's own heart because God saw the heart of the person. He didn't care about the outward appearance. He cared about the inward appearance. And God's the only one who can make the inward appearance look like he wants it to. You can't do it. I can't do it. Only God can do that. But you have to be willing to let him. So there's a couple of things here before we jump into applying it. There's a couple of truths that if you're going to go with this, you have to accept, right? The first one is that very first verse we talked about, that your heart is deceitful and wicked and you cannot be trusted. If you don't accept that truth, that statement as truth, then the rest of everything I've said and will say here this morning doesn't matter. Throw it out. Because if you believe that your heart is not desperately wicked, and that it can be trusted, then why bother listening to what God has to say? You can do it on your own. The second thing is you have to trust. You have to take as fact the statement that God is the one who can fix it. It's very similar to salvation in a lot of ways, right? We even say, give God your heart when we're talking about salvation. When you're getting saved, you have to realize that you're a sinner and that you need a savior, and that God is the one who is the savior. It's the same thing with a believer giving their heart over. You have to realize how desperately wicked your heart truly is, which means, and this is, we're going to apply it now. We're going to apply it now. That means you have to have a real heart-to-heart with yourself. You have to know you. Here's the thing. 
You can trick yourself very, very easily. You can trick yourself. I trick myself all the time. I'm all right in this area. I don't need any help right there. Satan is waiting for you to do that. He is, because as soon as you do that, you're his. He's got you right where he wants you. So, if you can't trust your own heart, and therefore can't really trust your own heart to heart, what should you do? Have people around you that you do trust what they say. I have three or four people in my life that when they come to me and say, Sam, you're struggling right here. I can see it. I trust what they say because I trust who they are because they're wise and I've, I've learned from them. I'm going to be honest with you. If almost everybody, including most of you in here, came to me and said, now, Pastor Sam, I think you're struggling with jealousy right now. Or, you know, whatever. We'll use jealousy. I think you're struggling with jealousy. I would say, thank you very much. And I would go talk to those people and say, hey, somebody told this to me. What do you see? Because I trust their judgment. Why do I trust their judgment? Because I know they're coming from here. Because I know that they've studied this book and they've been with God and they know him. And their hearts have been renewed by him. So I trust them to help with the process of renewing my heart. You've got to have people around you that you can trust. We cannot be alone. We can't do it. If you and I are alone in this fight, you will fail. You, you just will. You have to have people who you are willing to, let's say, the hard things to you and take them. Some of you in here have been business people and stuff like that. When a company, a sports team, anything, starts to go downhill, you can almost always trace it back to the leader, the, the boss man, stopped listening to counsel. Or only had counselors that were yes men. As soon as that happens, companies, sports teams, families, all of it crumbles. You can't surround yourself with yes men. You have to surround yourself with people who don't just say, you know, don't just critique you, right? That'll also make it crumble. You've got to have people around you who can lift you up, but who also can tell you the hard things you do not want to hear. Secondly, we talked about this a little bit. Emotions are valid, but not trustworthy. Be mindful. Gather more information as you can. I have a tendency personally to jump off the ledge at points. I hear something and I just, there we go. I let my emotions get the best of me. I want to tell you this this morning, church. You have control of your emotions or they have control of you. There's no middle ground. Either you control them or they will control you. You don't have to like it, but how many times do we teach a six-year-old that? Just because you're older now doesn't mean the lesson's changed. It actually just means you can do worse things with your emotions than you could when you were six. Because instead of throwing a temper tantrum, have I ever told you, when I was a young child, three, four, five years old, that area, so you all know I've had anger issues. I've talked to you about that. When I was a small child, I used to, hold my breath until I would pass out. 
Now, to most of you in here, you go, well, that's not a big deal. Usually when a person passes out, they start breathing again. I was a bit dramatic because I literally needed to be resuscitated every time I passed out. Now, thankfully, I, had a, I have a dad who has medical training and such and would resuscitate me every time and then proceed to discipline me. So one time, I don't even know what made me mad. Doesn't matter. Probably something inconsequential. I went to the top of our steps in our house, held my breath, passed out, as I do. I can't do it now. I've tried. Like, when I was, like, 16 years old, I wasn't mad, but I was just like, could I do it now? Can't do it. I don't know if I don't have the willpower or what, but I can't do it now. So either way, went up to the top of the steps, held my breath, passed out, tumbled down the steps, and had a cast iron heavy um, candlestick holder, thank you, candlestick holder fall on my head. Dad was not home and had to rush home because not only was I passed out and not breathing, I was now also bleeding. I think it's a great story. It's a great memory of mine. It's not as great a memory for, you know, the people that were there, but I think it's great. That's a great example of my emotions controlled me. My anger controlled me. I'm happy to say that today, I, do no I no longer hold my breath at the top of steps anymore. I do it on the couch so that when I fall, it's like I'm taking a nap. The fact of the matter is, you control your emotions or they control you. They are not invalid. But you should, never let, you should never let your emotions dictate your decisions, what you say, and what you do. Lastly, church, where are your treasures? Where do you have them? I don't mean, listen, it is not a bad thing to have some treasured possessions, right? We talked about, mom talked about a bowl she got from Ida. I have a table from Ida. Not a big one. It's this long or so and this wide. It's, it's gorgeous. I love it. I have some treasured possessions. You are allowed to have treasured possessions. The question is, where's your heart with those possessions? Are your treasured possessions truly in heaven, right? I'm not saying I wouldn't be sad if my guitar, you know, got broken, irreparable. I would be sad. I might even shed a tear. My life would not be over. It's a guitar. I'll go buy another one sometime. Yeah, it won't have all the memories that that one has. That one's been on road trips with me, fell and fallen down a set of steps because it passed out at the top. No, it did fall down steps, but that's because the person that was carrying it dropped it. Um, but it was in a carrying case, so either way. Um, right? It's got a lot of memories that I love with it. I would be sad. It would not be the end of the world. Here's how you know where your treasures truly lie. If God took every last thing away, possession, person, house, everything away from you, would your hands stay lifted to God? That's how you know where your treasures truly are. And I'm not pointing a finger. I'm not. Because church, I'm right there with you that I'm not there yet. I like to think that I am sometimes. And then something rocks my world. And I go, no, God, I'm not ready to lose that yet. 
Where are your treasures? If God took everything away from you, would your hands stay lifted to him in joy and in love? Not out of obligation, but in joy and in love. That's where your treasures are. So here's what I want you to do this week. It's 1045, 1044. I try to give you a practical thing to do with, your, uh, with, with all of this application, right? Make a list of your treasured possessions. A true list, which means, again, you've got to be honest. Include people, include possessions, all of it, right? We don't own people, right? But include it, too. And then one at a time, one at a, this, is gonna, this is a long process. This is going to take a long time. One at a time, start with the top of the list and work your way down and start giving it to God. That takes spending time with him. That takes you saying sentence and sentences to God like, okay, God, help me give this up because I can't do it on my own. God's not necessarily asking you. To, he's not asking me to give up my guitar right now. There may come a day, though, when some kid needs a guitar and wants to learn. And me, I've got three guitars. And boy... I can do the same thing for that kid that somebody in high school did for me to teach me to play guitar. My first guitar came from, uh, you guys, most of you have met her, Chachi, who sometimes sits right down here. She goes to church in Scranton. She was the first person who gave me a guitar. I still have that guitar. It is upstairs in our house. But if God said, I want you to give that 12-string away, I need to be willing to do it. God said, I need you to be willing to give up. What was the other thing I said? My hats, I need to be willing to do it. You laugh, it'd be harder for me than you could realize. I like my hats, right? I've got more, I've, we've all got it. Where are your treasures? I will guarantee you that most of them are here on earth. How do I guarantee that? Because I know you and I know me and we are humans, bless you. And until we are there with him, a lot of your treasures are going to be on earth. That's why it's a process, one at a time. Ask God which one you're supposed to start with. He won't hide it from you. I will tell you this, you won't like the one he chooses. You won't. But that means it's the one you desperately need to give over to him and allow him to take care of. In short, don't follow your heart wherever it leads you. It probably is indigestion. Follow where God leads you. Let him have your heart. And it's amazing how different things look in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, as we lift you up this morning, I thank you that we can come together and worship you. I thank you that, I thank you, that you warn us about our hearts. They weren't always like this, but because of sin they are. I thank you that you warn us about our hearts. I thank you that you warn us about treasures in heaven where they should be. Not warn us about treasures in heaven, warn us about treasures, having treasures on earth, I should say. God, for each of us in here, we all harbor treasures, we all do. I'm asking that you would help us to slowly, one at a time, give up each one. Give them over to you. It doesn't mean we have to give them away. It means we give them over to you. And whatever happens, happens. I praise you, God. And it's in the name of your son that we pray, amen and amen.